is the Music Halls of Fame podcast, episode 39. This week, we honor the year 2004, along with a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 2004. We also look at the case for putting Missy Elliott into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the first time next year. And our Spotlight Hall of Fame is the Blues Foundation Hall of Fame and Museum in Memphis, Tennessee. This podcast celebrates those who have been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We'll also look at the case for certain artists to be inducted into the hall who aren't there yet. Plus, every week we'll discuss a different musical Hall of Fame, Walk of Fame, or Museum and celebrate someone who's been inducted into them. Let's start with our main focus of the podcast, which is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Hall Foundation was established on April 20th, 1983. Former Atlantic Records chairman Ahmet Erdogan was the head of the foundation at the time. Three years later, a committee chose Cleveland, Ohio to be the site of the physical location for the museum over Detroit, Michigan, New York City, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Memphis, Tennessee, and Cincinnati, Ohio. I say physical location because members have actually been inducted into the hall since 1986 before the building was even opened. Cleveland was chosen because of what DJ Alan Freed did to promote rock and roll, including mainstreaming the phrase rock and roll, which was originally black slang for sex, and for also holding the first rock and roll concert. Ground was broken for the building on June 7, 1993. It opened on September 1, 1995 at 1100 Rock and Roll Boulevard on the shore of Lake Erie. The hall gets over 400,000 visitors a year on average. Normal hours of operation are between 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. except for Thursdays when they're open until 9 p.m. They are normally open later in the summer months. General admission at the moment is $30. Children 6 through 12 are $20. College students, first responders, military members, and Northeast Ohio residents are $25. And kids 5 and under Hall of Fame members and Cleveland residents are free. ID is required to get the discounts. Rockhall.com is their website. That's R-O-C-K-H-A-L-L dot C-O-M. And as with all places these days due to COVID restrictions, check with the website for updated information and hours. The year was 2004. The average cost of a new house was $274,500. Average median income was $45,817. And a gallon of gas set you back $2.10. George W. Bush was re-elected as President of the United States, beating Massachusetts Senator John Kerry. Haitian President Jean Bertrand Aristide was overthrown in an apparent coup. America was involved in wars in both Afghanistan and Iraq, neither one of which was actually going according to plan. Russia dealt with terrorist attacks from Chechnya as suicide bombers took down two airplanes, and Chechen rebel soldiers took over a school in Russia, taking over 1,100 hostages. 
Flash Airlines Flight 604 crashed off the coast of Egypt, killing 148 people. Macedonian President Boris Tchaikovsky was killed in a separate plane crash. The Boxing Day tsunami took place, killing over 200,000 people in Thailand, India, Sri Lanka, and other countries along the Bay of Bengal and the Andaman Sea. And the Ukrainian Orange Revolution began as well in 2004. Famous people who were born in 2004 include tennis star Coco Gauff, basketball player Bronnie James, and actress Millie Bobby Brown. Famous people who passed away in 2004 include President Ronald Reagan, Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat, chef Julia Child, soldier Pat Tillman, serial killer Harold Shipman, author Spalding Gray, comedians Alan King and Rodney Dangerfield, photographer Helmut Newton, entrepreneur Estee Lauder, and actors Tony Randall, Faye Ray, Isabel Samford, Carrie Snodgrass, Mercedes McCambridge, Janet Lee, Howard Keel, Robert Pastorelli, Marlon Brando, Jerry Orbach, Paul Winfield, Peter Ustinoff, Ann Miller, Captain Kangaroo himself, Mr. Bob Keeshan, and Christopher Reeve. The Nobel Peace Prize went to Wangari Muta Mathai from Kenya for her contribution to democracy and peace in her country. U.S. President George W. Bush was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Jude Law was named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. And Angelina Jolie was named Esquire Magazine's Sexiest Woman Alive. Best-selling books in 2004 included David Mitchell's Cloud Atlas, The Plot Against America by Philip Roth, The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown, The South Beach Diet by Arthur Agixton, President Clinton's memoir, My Life, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, The Notebook by Nicholas Sparks, The Secret Life of Bees by Sue Mink Kidd, The Last Juror by John Grisham, and The Congressional Report on the 9-11 Terrorist Attack. In technology, Mark Zuckerberg premiered a website called Facebook. Gmail started in 2004. Google had its IPO later in the year. Google also opened its Googleplex headquarters. MySpace, Flickr, Yelp, and Ubuntu were released that year. G4 Tech TV started from the ashes of Comcast buying Tech TV. And blogging became a thing in 2004. In video games, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas was the biggest game of the year. Also out that year was Red Dead Revolver, Killzone, World of Warcraft, Halo 2, Fable, Half-Life 2, Tekken 5, and Far Cry. In movies, Shrek 2 was the biggest movie of the year. The most profitable movie, though, was The Passion of the Christ, which made over $600 million with a budget of only $45 million in production and marketing. Other movies from 2004 include Spider-Man 2, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, The Incredibles, The Day After Tomorrow, The Bourne Supremacy, Shark Tale, The Polar Express, Fahrenheit 9-11, which became one of the biggest documentaries of all time, iRobot, Meet the Fockers, 
Troy, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, Mean Girls, and National Treasure. At the Academy Awards, Million Dollar Baby was the big winner, winning Best Picture, Clint Eastwood for Best Director, Hilary Swank for Best Actress, and Morgan Freeman for Best Supporting Actor. Jamie Foxx won Best Actor for Ray, and Kate Blanchett won Best Supporting Actress for The Aviator. Musically, Finding Neverland won Best Score, while a song from Jorge Drexler from The Motorcycle Diaries won Best Song. In sports, in the Athens Summer Olympics, the U.S. won the most medals, followed by China, Russia, Australia, and Japan. In football, the New England Patriots won the Super Bowl, which was played for that season in 2005 in Jacksonville, Florida. Paul McCartney was the halftime show entertainment. The Pittsburgh Steelers and quarterback Ben Roethlisberger became the winningest rookie quarterback of all time when he won 13 straight games. Indianapolis Colts quarterback Peyton Manning broke Dan Marino's single-season touchdown record when he tossed his 49th touchdown pass. And the USC Trojans won the NCAA College Football Championship. The Boston Red Sox won their first baseball World Series in 86 years, ending the curse of the Bambino in epic fashion. Included in that year's playoff run was a comeback from a 3-1 to game deficit in the conference championship against their hated rivals, the New York Yankees, including being one out away from losing their series in both games 4 and 5. In basketball, the Detroit Pistons won the NBA championship, the Seattle Storm won the WNBA championship, and the Yukon Huskies won both the NCAA men's and women's basketball championships, making Yukon the first school to win the NCAA college basketball championships for both men and women in the same year. Lance Armstrong won the Tour de France, the Tampa Bay Lightning won Hockey Stanley Cup, and Calgary won the National Lacrosse Indoor Championship League. In horse racing, Smarty Jones won the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness Stakes, but didn't win the Triple Crown, unfortunately, losing the Belmont Stakes to Birdstone. In golf, Phil Mickelson won the Masters, which was his first majors win of his career. Retief Goosen won the U.S. Open. Todd Hamilton won the British Open after a four-hole playoff with Ernie Els. And Vijay Singh won the PGA Championship after a three-hole playoff with Chris DeMarco and Justin Leonard. Vijay was also the leading male tour money winner that year. Europe won the Ryder Cup. On the women's side, Grace Park won the Kraft Serial Nabisco Championship. Annika Sorenstam won the LPGA Championship and was also the leading female money winner. Meg Mallon won the U.S. Women's Open and Karen Stupples won the Women's British Open. In tennis, Roger Federer won the Australian and U.S. Open, along with Wimbledon, while Gaston Gaudio won the French Open. For the ladies, Justine Enenardan won the Australian Open. Anastasia Miskina won the French Open. Maria Sharapova won Wimbledon. And Svetlana Kunetsova won the U.S. Open.
In soccer, Porto won the Champions League championship. Greece won the Euro championship. In league championships, Arsenal completed the undefeated season in the English Premier League soccer with 26 wins, 12 ties, and 0 losses. Other league winners were Valencia in Spain, Lyon in France, Milan in Italy, Werner Bremen in Germany, DC United in America with the MLS Cup, and the Vancouver Whitecaps won the USL Women's League Championship. In motorsports, Michael Schumacher won the Formula One Championship, Tony Kanaan won the IndyCar Championship, Sebastian Bourdais won the Champ Car Championship, and Kurt Busch won the NASCAR Championship. Cycling's Lance Armstrong and golf's Annika Sorenstam won the Associated Press Male and Female Athletes of the Year, respectively. Shows premiering on TV in 2004 were The Apprentice, Drake and Josh, The L Word, Pimp My Ride, Deadwood, Entourage, Stargate Atlantis, CSI New York, Boston Legal, Desperate Housewives, Sci-Fi's version of Battlestar Galactica, the Biggest Loser, and Project Runway. Shows ending that year were Sex in the City, Boston Public, Lizzie McGuire, The Tracy Morgan Show, The Chris Isaac Show, The Parkers, Frasier, Justice League, Hey Arnold, The Wild Thornberries, Johnny Bravo, and Rugrats. The top 10 shows of 2004 were CSI, Two Nights of American Idol, won that year by Fantasia, by the way, Friends, The Apprentice, ER, Survivor, CSI Miami, Monday Night Football, and Everybody Loves Raymond. At the Emmy Awards, Arrested Development won Best Comedy, and The Sopranos won Best Drama. In music, the only things people could talk about were Britney Spears marrying and divorcing her childhood friend, Jason Allen Alexander, all in three days, and then later in the year marrying dancer Kevin Federline, Ashley Simpson lip-syncing her performance on Saturday Night Live, and also the Super Bowl wardrobe malfunction event with Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson on February 1st. Other events of the year included opera star Luciano Pavarotti performing in his final opera, Elton John starting his Las Vegas residency at Caesars Palace, Brian McFadden leaving Westlife, Clint Lowry leaving Seven Dust, Fish breaking up before reuniting in the 2010s, the massive Rock in Rio concert festival taking place, Creed breaking up, The Killers and Velvet Revolver debuting, as did the Jazz at Lincoln Center performing venue and the Dave Matthews Band tour bus dumping their raw sewage into the Chicago River, hitting a tour boat that was in the absolute wrong place at the absolute wrong time, unfortunately, for those people. Artists who were born in 2004 include Grace Vanderwall and Mackenzie Ziegler. Artists who passed away in 2004 included Ray Charles, Rick James, Johnny Ramone of the Ramones, Laura Branigan, Sasha Distel, Jimmy Hassel of the First Edition, Cornelius Bumpus of the Doobie Brothers, Dimebag Daryl, who was actually assassinated on stage, 
he played for Pantera. Peggy DeCastro of the DeCastro Sisters. John McHugh of Sushi and the Banshees. Jan Barry of Jan and Dean. Nikki Sullivan of Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Felix Haug of Double. Arthur Kane of the New York Dolls. Michael Connor of Pure Prairie League. Bruce Palmer of Buffalo Springfield. Alex Soria of the Nils. Rappers Old Dirty Bastard, Billboard, and Mac Dre. Band leader Artie Shaw. Jazz drummer Elvin Jones. Record producer Corthon. And composers Jerry Goldsmith and Elmer Bernstein. The biggest selling album that year was Usher's Confessions. Other artists who had big albums in 2004 were Kenny Chesney, Green Day, Nora Jones, Avril Lavigne, U2, Gwen Stefani, Anastasia, Maroon 5, Evanescence, Ashley Simpson, Eminem, the Jay-Z and Linkin Park collaboration Collision Course, and Tim McGraw. The biggest single of the year was Usher's Yeah. Other big singles for the year were Ciara's Goodies, Snoop Dogg's Drop It Like It's Hot, Avril Lavigne's My Happy Ending, Alicia Keys' If I Ain't Got You, and also her duet with Usher called My Boo, Jaquan's Tipsy, Mario's I Don't Wanna Know, Fat Joe and Terror Squad's Lean Back. Ashley Simpson's Pieces of Me, and Nina Sky's Move Your Body. At the Grammy Awards for Music of 2004, it was the year of Ray Charles, who put out an album the same year that he passed away, and who also won Album and Record of the Year, while John Mayer won Song of the Year and Best New Artist, went to Maroon 5 over Josh Stone, and also, Mr. Slavery Was a Choice and Let's Abolish the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery, better known these days as Kanye. At the Eurovision Singing Contest, which was held in Istanbul, Turkey, Ukraine won for the song Wild Dances. At the Tony Awards, Avenue Q won Best Musical and Assassins won Best Revival of a Musical. In 2004, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inducted Rolling Stone magazine editor Jan Wenner into the Non-Performer Lifetime Achievement Award category. The ceremony is perhaps best known for Prince's blistering guitar solo on the song While My Guitar Gently Weeps, which was played in honor of George Harrison, who was inducted into the Performers category, along with Jackson Brown, The Dells, Traffic, ZZ Top, Bob Seger, and this next artist. Prince Rogers Nelson was born on June 7, 1958, and was the product of musical parents. Prince's nickname was Skipper throughout childhood because he hated the name Prince. Prince also suffered from epilepsy when he was younger and often had seizures. The disease didn't stop Prince, though, from being involved in sports, including playing basketball. He also studied ballet, which definitely helped with his dancing skills in his videos and on stage. Prince's parents divorced when he was 10, and the rest of his childhood was spent bouncing around back and forth between parents and new step-parents, much like children of divorce do. 
Prince also found himself gravitating towards music, having written his first song when he was seven. He was rumored to have learned to play at least ten instruments well before the time he hit his 20s. By the time he was 19, Prince was signed to a managerial contract, and based on the strength of his demo tape, Prince signed with Warner Brothers Records and released his first album, For You, on April 7, 1978, just two months shy of his 20th birthday. A little over a year later, Prince released his self-titled second album, which had the hit I Want to Be Your Lover and Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad. In 1980, he released the album Dirty Mind, which got him into some trouble with songs like Head. It also got him in an opening act spot on Rick James's tour. 1981's album Controversy spawned the hit of the same name, and around this time, Prince started forming side projects like The Time. Prince's double album, 1999, was released in 1982 and had the top 10 hits, 1999, Little Red Corvette, and Delirious. Little Red Corvette was helped from being one of only two songs from black artists that MTV was playing in heavy rotation by the time the music video came out. The other video being Michael Jackson's hit song, Billie Jean. Still, Five albums in five years was only the beginning. Prince was about to become a superstar only two years later. After his 1999 album, Prince decided that he wanted to make a movie that was very loosely based on his life. He called the movie Purple Rain. This album was the second album to also credit his band The Revolution, as they did help to write some of the songs. Certain songs have a bit of a history. Let's Go Crazy is probably the best crafted song about moral ethics ever to be made. The line towards the end about how pills, thrills, and daffodils will kill is now pretty ironic considering how Prince passed away. The famous drum machine intro after the organs in the beginning is Prince's go-to drum machine, the Lynn LM-1. Take Me With You was supposed to be for his side project, Apollonia 6, but instead it found its way onto the soundtrack. Contrary to popular belief, the female voice on the song is not Apollonia, and it's not Lisa and Wendy from the band. It's actually singer Jill Jones. Computer Blue was originally a 14-minute song, but got cut back. I'm sure the original version has turned up on a special edition of the soundtrack, if it hasn't already. Prince played all of the instruments on The Beautiful Ones and Darling Nikki, along with When Doves Cry. For Doves, he was trying to go with a different sound, so he pulled the bass line out of the song. I Would Die For You, Baby I'm a Star, and Purple Rain were all actually recorded a year earlier at a benefit concert for the Minnesota Dance Theater on August 3, 1983 at the now-famous First Avenue Club that was in the movie, Prince debuted those three songs as well as his new guitarist, Wendy Melvoin. The title track from the album has its own history. According to the Revolution's keyboardist, Dr. Fink, Prince wanted to write a song that sounded almost like it could have come from Bob Seger. The band Journey, though, tells a different story. 
According to them, Prince called them up one day and mentioned that he had written a song that sounded a lot like their hit song, Faithfully. He wanted their blessing so that, of course, he wouldn't get sued by them. Not only did they give him their blessing once they heard the song, but they thanked him for asking them, since a lot of bands had just ripped off their sound without even asking them first. And if you actually listen to both the songs Purple Rain and Faithfully back-to-back, you can definitely hear the similarities. Purple Rain, the album, came out on June 25, 1984 and spent 32 weeks on the Billboard Albums Top 10, taking the number one spot for 24 straight weeks. Purple Rain made rumpled pirate shirts a fashion trend, along with being the basis for a famous Seinfeld episode. It also gave Prince a lot of awards, including Grammys, a Golden Globe, and also an Academy Award for Best Music Score. It also is considered a classic album and one of the greatest albums ever made, and I am not going to disagree with that one single bit. In 1986, after Purple Rain, Prince started work with his group The Revolution on a couple new projects. The group was actually coming off a run at that point where they had put out three albums in three years. Purple Rain in 1984, Around the World in a Day in 1985, and Parade in 1986. They were working on a couple of new things. The first was going to be an album called Dream Factory. The second was going to be just Prince himself doing an alter ego named Camille, which was actually his singing sped up and pitched higher. Something happened along the way of doing those albums, and Prince broke up the revolution and got a new band. He continued work on his new album, still using a lot of the songs that he and the Revolution had worked up. For some of the songs, he reworked the parts so that someone else could sing them. For a few, like Housequake, he kept the idea of using his alter ego voice. He had so many songs that he actually wanted to put out a triple album called Crystal Ball. His record label, Warner Brothers, didn't like that idea at all, so everybody compromised and decided to put out a double album instead. And the album title was also changed from Crystal Ball to Sign of the Times. Sign of the Times was released on March 30, 1987 in England and March 31st in America. It spawned a concert film along with three big hits, Sign of the Times, You Got the Look with Sheena Easton, and I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man. The album was a top 20 hit in 14 different countries, including America, where it hit number 6. It was the 47th biggest album of 1987, even though it wasn't a huge seller by superstar standards. It sold just over 1 million copies, but not much more, probably because it was a double album and, of course, it was priced much higher than your standard LP record. A lot of critics consider it Prince's best work, although I'm still partial to Purple Rain myself. After the success of Sign of the Times came the fights with his record company, creating new backup groups like the New Power Generation, a couple more movies like Under the Cherry Moon and Graffiti Bridge, along with revered status in the industry as a living legend. One last thing you may not have realized about Prince was that even though he was a fashion icon, that cane that he stylishly walked around with 
was not there for the look. Prince injured his hip from all that jumping he used to do on stage. He had surgery to repair his hip and had started taking painkillers to deal with the pain. As with a lot of people, he ended up addicted to the pills and put his health in jeopardy. On April 15, 2016, Prince was taken to a hospital in Illinois while on a flight back home when he became unconscious. Once released, he went home to his mansion, Paisley Park Studios, in Minnesota. He spent the next few days going around town, seeing a jazz performance, among other things. But on the morning of April 21st, 2016, Prince was found dead in his elevator at Paisley Park. He had been dead for at least six hours. The official cause of death was an overdose of the painkiller fentanyl, which he was taking to deal with the hip pain. His ashes are actually on display in an urn in the atrium of Paisley Park, which is now a museum, along with still being a recording studio. Presented for induction by Outcast and Alicia Keys, Prince, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Class of 2004. Before we look at this week's case for putting an artist into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, let's look and see exactly how artists are normally inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The criteria for being inducted into the hall was originally that, quote, artists had to have had released their first record 25 years earlier and have created music whose originality, impact, and influence has changed the course of rock and roll, end quote. That interpretation has been updated in recent decades to include music that rock and roll influenced like reggae, country, and hip-hop, and also youth culture that music has influenced and vice versa. That's why hip-hop artists get to be inducted now. The different categories that people can be inducted for are for musical excellence, which is for artists, musicians, songwriters, and producers who have had a dramatic impact on music, also, early influencers, whose artists, whose music influenced rock and roll and youth culture like jazz and the blues. The Amit Erdogan Award is also given out, which is named for famed record executive Amit Erdogan and goes to a non-performer who has had an impact in music like record executives and managers. There's also a category that inducted songs that have influenced music like the Trogs' Wild Thing or Sam the Sham and the Pharaoh's Wooly Bully. But of course, the most popular category is the performer category, which has had everybody in it from Elvis Presley to Tina Turner. The different nominating committees decide who will make the official ballots for that year. Then the ballots are sent to a thousand musicologists, executives, performers, and other experts. The fans also get a chance to vote, with that vote usually being held on the hall's website, rockhall.com. Then from that, the final inductees are chosen. Now, with all that being said, let us look at the case for this week's entry. (music) 
Last week, we started our look at artists who will be eligible for induction into the class of 2023 for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We started by looking at Destiny's Child, who we think has a better than average chance of making it into the hall, at least in the next five years. Maybe not the first year, but definitely in the next five, we'll say. This week, however, we look at the case for putting Missy Elliott into the hall. So, as we always do, to the tale of the tape we go. Missy Elliott has six studio albums. Of those, every single one of them went top 15 on the Billboard Albums chart, with the lowest going to number 13, one going to number 10, two going to number 3, and two going to number 2. As a solo singles artist, Missy put out 26 of them. Of those, eight went top 40, with five going top 10, and three of those five going top five. As a featured artist, she was on 54 singles. Of those, 10 went top 40, with six of those going top 10, and one of those six going to number two. As a guest artist and producer, Missy has been on way too many to list here, but by my count, in 25 years, she's been on well in excess of 100 singles. Where Missy excels and is influential, aside from memorable beats and songs like Work It, The Rain, and Get Your Freak On, is that she took the baton from female rappers like Queen Latifah, Moni Love, MC Light, Lil' Kim, and Foxy Brown, and ran in a completely different direction by adding producer and remixer to her resume. Even her producing and remixing work hit the top 10 with hits like Son of a Gun with Janet Jackson and Carly Simon, and the smash hit version of the LaBelle classic Lady Marmalade with Pink, Christina Aguilera, Mia, and Foxy Brown. Her innovative music videos with Video directors Hype Williams and Dave Myers also set the trend during the 90s and whatever you want to call that first decade of the 21st century. Some people call it the noughts for whatever reason. In short, Missy dominated in fields that were the domain of men for the absolute longest time and way too long a time. Now, does any of this mean that she'll get inducted as a performer in the next five years? Eh, maybe. Her commercial success and influence definitely justifies it. However, the Hall has yet to put any females into the Hall in any category yet in terms of rap music, even though you could make a case for Queen Latifah being in, and you definitely could make a case for her, she should have been in already. So perhaps the Hall will see fit to maybe put her in another category if they don't want to put her in as a performer, much like they did with LL Cool J and Judas Priest. And if they're not going to put Queen Latifah into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as the first female rapper inducted, then they should definitely put Missy Elliott into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame sometime within the next few years. It would only be right. (music) 
back in 1980, the Blues Foundation decided to start inducting artists into its foundation's Hall of Fame wing. Much like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they inducted members long before they had a physical building. That all changed when the Blues Hall of Fame and Museum opened on May 8, 2015. The museum is located at 421 South Main Street in Memphis, Tennessee. It is located less than two blocks away from the National Civil Rights Museum, which is what used to actually be called the Lorraine Motel. The Lorraine Motel, for some of you who are not in the know, is famous for being the place where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. The museum itself has 10 galleries, and as far as museums go these days, it's pretty updated with modern technology. There's interactive touchscreen displays and databases, unlike a lot of museums where their button displays never work. We've all been to those museums. The museum is open Wednesday to Saturday, 10 to 5, and Sunday, 1 to 5. Admission is $10, which is extremely cheap for a museum these days. But as with every museum these days, check with their websites for ticket purchasing and information, especially those hours since it is now summertime and they may have actually extended them. Blues.org is their website. Robert Johnson is one of those artists who it's kind of tough to tell fact from fiction. That's because not a lot of his life was documented. In death, he has obtained legendary, almost mythical status. Here's what's known about him. He was born on May 8, 1911 in Mississippi. In 1929, he was married, but she died soon thereafter giving birth to their child, actually. It was at that point that Robert decided to become a blues guitarist. He fathered a child with another woman and married yet another one who, again, died while in childbirth. From 1932 to 1938, Robert helped to develop and refine the Delta Blues by playing every juke joint from Memphis, Tennessee, all the way down to Mississippi. Robert was quite the ladies' man, with literally a woman in every city, with none of them knowing about the other ones, because remember, kids, there was no internet or social media at that time to put anyone on blast, and dogs will be dogs. Yeah, no. For all of his playing, Robert released very few records. On November 23rd through the 25th, 1936, in San Antonio, Texas, Robert recorded what would become the recordings that he would be known for. Supposedly, Robert was so shy that he faced the wall while recording. One of those recordings was Crossroad Blues, which Eric Clapton would do a couple of versions of with his various groups. And it was also the song that would become pivotal to his legend, especially after his death in 1938. Of the many myths and legends about Robert... The most famous one probably concerns his deal with the devil at a local crossroads. He sings about it in Crossroad Blues. There's even a statue where the event supposedly took place. Robert's friends and relatives have said that he made a deal with the devil by playing secular blues music instead of gospel, and that his wives dying while in childbirth was punishment for doing that. 
There was talk by locals that Robert got his gift by going to grave sites at night and becoming infused with the talent of the dead. Even his death is shrouded in mystery, as he died from unknown causes in 1938 with no autopsy and with no public announcement. Some people say that he was poisoned by a jealous husband or boyfriend of one of his many, many, many conquests. Others, though, say that the devil came to collect on his deal. In any event, Robert Johnson lived quite the life. Robert Johnson, inducted into the Blues Foundation Hall of Fame in 1980. And that is it for the Music Halls of Fame podcast, episode 39. Thanks for listening. Audio engineering and editing, video editing, writing, narration, basically everything having to do with this podcast is done by yours truly. You can find us on our website at cjbtproductions.com. Our podcast is on all of your favorite podcast providers such as Apple Music, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, etc., all under Music History Today. If you would like to support this podcast, our Patreon can be found at patreon.com backslash music history today. We are also on Twitter at music history day, and you can now find us on YouTube. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell anytime you want to know exactly what videos are dropped and when. All of those links can be found in the show notes below. Thank you very, very much for listening.